You're listening to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Coming of Cage podcast. I'm your host, Derek, and I have my other host, Ryan, here with me. Hey, buddy. Hello. Hello, hello. And we are the Nicolas Cage movie review podcast where we spin a wheel to find out which Nicolas Cage movie we review next on the show. Last episode, we did Teen Titans Go to the Movies. This episode, we're doing 2014's Left Behind. We went from a masterpiece of animated cinema to a different kind of movie. Yeah, to something that's not. Uh, but it is for those who are curious it is based on the book that was popular back then uh and funny enough there are several attempts at making left behind movies and oddly enough this is the lowest rated one on imdb of all of them yeah. this one is the lowest rated i just want to like left behind three world at war okay is rated higher than this movie that's where we're at here. I would probably believe that, having seen this movie. <laughs> the synopsis for the film is a small group of survivors is left behind after millions of people suddenly vanish and the world is plunged into chaos and destruction. Which is not inaccurate for what happens in the movie, but doesn't but it's really... it's also not accurate. It's also not accurate, that's right. Um, somehow it's considered action fantasy sci-fi. So for those playing at home, so that's kind of weird there. And yeah, it stars Nicolas Cage. Leah Thompson has a role in it. For uh, about three minutes, yeah. Yeah. Mark Kleba, who, uh, Kleba, Kleba, I'm sorry, uh, who people might know. And Nikki Whalen. Ryan, do you recognize Nikki Whalen? Um, no. So she was the kind of seductress love interest in inconceivable oh god which we reviewed way back early on like episode i think like six i mean she did look familiar but uh i didn't really place her yeah the trivia when we did inconceivable one of the pieces of trivia was that the two of them played love interest twice and this is the other time so Mm. so there you go but anyway ryan uh why don't you take everybody through how we normally do an episode here uh, I take notes throughout the movie and then we discuss those notes and try and go kind of uh, chronologically through the movie and discuss the various things that did or did not happen in the movie. Um, this one, you know, some people might think about it as, as taking place during the rapture, uh, but I prefer to think about it as this is an MCU movie that takes place in the air or they're in the air and uh, <laughs> we get to see how a plane handles it when Thanos snapped it makes it a much better movie if you think about it that way but but not um, not enough people vanish though for that to happen well i mean you know it's not 50 50 in every single place in the world some places it's going to be 70 percent. some places going to be 10 percent. you know you're you're right and in the case of the avengers just the original six exactly you know so, <laughs> that's what i'm saying all right uh so, yeah, this, um, I guess we should probably just go ahead and lay this out a little bit in the beginning. 
Um, this is kind of a religious uh, movie. I mean, yes. religious themes. Um, you know, the rapture is portrayed as the one from the Christian Bible. Um, so, Derek, I don't believe you really claim to be any sort of a religious person, not specifically Christian or anything like that. And I personally don't either. So, uh, you know, this is going to be kind of a third party look into that. I, I have but, I have done some study I've read. Sure. Uh, I mean, I, I went to know. church until I was like 12. So oh, see, I mean, I, I've got history. my family is Jewish. Yeah. So I went to church when I slept over at friends' houses and their parents made me go. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I have some experience and, and based on that experience is why I'm no longer a part of that. But mm. Um, you know, it's we're not going into this completely like not knowing anything about it, but we do have opinions on it. We're going to try not to get into the weeds on that too much. It's a divisive topic in general, and we don't want to alienate anybody or, you know, seem like we're shaming people that believe in something specific. Mm-hmm. But the movie does raise questions about certain things relating to religion. You can't talk about this movie without getting into some of that. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. yeah, just kind of a warning at the beginning. If you're sensitive to talk about religion or things like that, this might not be the one to listen to. Um, you know, I'd recommend going back and listening to our Teen Titans go to the movies one. Um, or National Treasure. That was a fun one. No, nah, I mean, I guess. Yeah, I like that one. No, it was a good episode of the show. <laughs> not the movie. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's what I meant. Whatever. But anyway, okay. So, you know, going into this, Derek had mentioned to me that this was based on like a Christian novel. Um, and I didn't have any idea. I had never heard of Left Behind before. Uh, but then, like, the movie opens in, in an airport, and the first thing you really see is a po- woman pulling a book off the shelf called Acts of God. Mm-hmm. So right away, I'm like, oh, man, okay, this is going to be really heavy-handed. Um, you know, I thought there might be some, I don't know. It, yeah, it, it, it started off pretty heavy-handed. Um, it's the woman ends up playing a small role a little bit later in the movie, the woman that takes that book. Um, but then I don't remember where, what the transition was this. We get a really, really poorly Photoshopped family photo. Oh, right. Of, of Nick yeah. Cage with his family. It uh, is real bad. Like we've seen some really bad, bad ones. I, Gone in 60 seconds comes to mind. Um, you know, those photos that it plays during the opening credits. This one is much worse than those, I feel like. This is might be on par with the worst we've seen. I mean, I would imagine their budget was pretty tight for this, and they had, spoilers, had to crash an airplane. So, you know, I would... Several. Think, well, like, one, like, real, like, set, you know. Like, the other one's kind of off. Oh, right, the tiny one. <laughs> yeah. about the tiny one. So, like, I would imagine, like, this says here the budget was $16 million. That's pretty light for any movie made i mean having last... watched this i would have guessed the movie the budget was smaller than that they i don't feel like they spent their money well fair enough i mean you know there was there's a lot of there's a big cast right they have to sh- there's a lot of people involved at the end of the day yeah but uh i guess kind of the premise like how the movie opens right is that we find out that uh nicholas cage captain rayford steel uh, he's a pilot his daughter chloe um is coming back in town from college to surprise him for his birthday and we find out that he's not going to be there because he got called into work and that's when we see the really bad photoshopped photo because leah thompson plays his wife fun fact the two of them never share a scene together in this movie even though they're supposed to be married 
Um, but yeah, so, you know, the daughter's all very disappointed. And so she decides to stay around at the airport and wait for her father to chew right. him out. And that's when we get this woman that bought the Acts of God book showing up. She goes to argue. Like, apparently there's this famous journalist at the airport and this woman, he's he's reported on some like natural disasters that have happened and things like that. And this woman goes up to him and starts yelling at him at kind of well, not I guess she wasn't yelling, but she was definitely like overwhelmingly talking at him about uh rapture and revelations and uh you know all these disasters leading into um you know what what would be rapture which is when all the Christians and believers ascend to heaven and all the non-believers don't. Um, so yeah, that that's essentially what she's arguing with them about. And uh, Nick Cage's daughter overhears this. And this is the, this is the first of several Christian versus I wrote Christian versus atheist argument, but it wasn't, I don't know that she's necessarily an atheist. It's just yeah. that she doesn't believe in Christ. Um, I, I think it's more of, it's kind of a split between people who believe the rapture is a literal thing that will take place. And then just those who don't, um, which, you know, there are a lot of religious people who believe a lot of the other aspects, but don't necessarily believe that what ends up happening in this movie is, you know, what would, what will actually occur at some point. She in this scene made me believe that she was not a believer of any kind of God because she goes on to ask, you know, how, why would this God let these things happen? These bad things, let these people die, let people be separated from their families. Yeah. Um, you know, things like that. So that, I think that's why in this case, I put Christian versus atheist argument. It made me kind of question because this is, I, I think I mentioned three or four of these throughout these notes. Um, it kind of made me question if they... I mean, I know the novel was, and this whole theme is like based on Christianity, but it almost seemed like the person that was making this movie was not coming at it from a Christian perspective, because it seemed to me, and this may just be my personal belief, that the people that were arguing against Christianity were the ones that were making more sense, might be my own personal bias. But Well, I think that's the point. I think the point is supposed to be the argument of the those like me who require empirical evidence of a thing and those who have faith or belief right because i think the, the crux of this is that leah thompson's character has found this belief i guess it's over the last year or so i think they say it's a, it's about the last year and she's gone into it um supposedly heavily we don't really get to see a ton of that there's a little bit of that but we don't get to see a whole lot of her character for me to have a strong sense of if it's just the characters being upset with her but i think that's supposed to like drive this wedge right between the mother and the daughter and the husband and i sure. so i don't know but how much of the daughter's statements in the airport are her real true beliefs and her just being angry with her mother um, I mean, yeah, I know you said that you to go back to what you originally said that you think that's the point. Um, the the reason why I don't necessarily know if, if that was like directly the point was because they actually like make it a point to make the Christians that are arguing in these arguments seem crazy. Like it's not just right. like a nice argument where it's where it's two people discussing something like you and I mm -hmm. discussing something. It's made to be like this person is crazy. And they they call her mom, Nick Cage's wife uh, crazy. 
several times and it hurts her feelings and then this yeah. boy at the airport is overwhelming with the way she comes at this person so i feel like most of the people in these arguments on the christian side come across as crazy which makes me go uh, that's what made me go maybe this person is trying to like make a something that was a christian based thing uh less you know make make the christians look crazy even though Having not read the book, I, I, you know, I can't say. Yeah, I don't know if sure. it's that way in the book. Um, it might be an attempt to put those religious people in like an underdog position, right? Essentially, um, yeah. since they end up in this movie universe being shown to be right. Vic Armstrong, you know, doesn't have like a huge directing catalog, so it's hard to say. Really, like, I mean, half of his directing catalog is Young Indiana Jones, um, so I don't, I don't really know if there was a strong you know, religious background in those making the movie or not. Yeah, I don't know either. We've we're gotten into the weeds a little bit on that. But I mean, that's going to be a recurring theme throughout the movie, I feel like. Uh, we after that argument, we get to our first glimpse of Nick Cage. Um, we're moving his wedding ring, which is another theme that happens in these movies, Nick Cage movies a lot. Uh -huh. um, and, you know, if, if you follow our bingo series, then you know that on our card is Nick Cage is an asshole. And pretty much... Ding. <laughs> Yeah, that taking off your wedding ring is pretty much enough to have me go, okay, right there, he's playing an asshole in this movie. So, um, yeah, but it didn't he, take long for him to double down on that either. So, no, uh, I mean, he is there's this other, it's funny, he rolls up in like this brand new sob, yeah. uh, like black sob convertible, and then the uh, this uh, this flight attendant that he's like uh, trying to have an affair with, yes. Uh, um she's rolling in like this beat ass green ford like ford taurus of some kind that's just rusted out and dented and everything and but they walk in together and he's clearly flirting with her and his daughter sees and she's like clearly into it too this is nikki whalen's character by the yeah. way her name is uh hattie but while while those two are walking in there's a scene that happens in the airport of um nick cage's daughter um Chloe yes. uh, having a conversation because the guy, the journalist that the the Christian woman had the art was like a, the thing with um, and that she came over and interrupted has sought her out, uh -huh. followed her in this airport and has a really fucking terrible like I don't like I don't like using the F word too many times on this program but it was really bad like the the acting in the scene is some of the worst we've seen in any of these nick cage movies and also the way it was directed because there's a lot of cuts anytime anybody speaks the camera cuts their face cut 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 it's like if you can imagine a 10 minute long conversation where it's just cut 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 they're not in the same you know Mm -hmm. uh they're not on the same screen you can see the back of one of their head and the other person's face but it literally just keeps cutting and almost every conversation in this movie happens that way mm -hmm. and it's very frustrating at least for me did that bother you because it was very frustrating for me i i mean i i don't i wouldn't say that it bothered me at this point like you know i went into this movie very like i had certain expectations and so i feel like it was just kind of falling into a lot of my expectations to be fair though like i didn't recognize this guy uh, but I talked to my wife after I watched the movie and she knows who he is. So this is Chad Michael Murray. He's been in things like One Tree Hill. He was in the Freaky Friday remake. People probably know him. I had no idea who he I was. I didn't know who he was either. You know, um, I just assumed he was like a CW actor. I mean, he was in Riverdale for a bit. 
nailed it. You know, just yeah. to, be, you know, to be fair. So like, you're kind of on, on point there. Um, so I just, this movie, other than a few small things, this kind of fit all of my expectations going into it. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I try to go in with like not a ton of expectations. I, I want every, I'm rooting. Listen, this is a phenomenon I kind of talked to somebody about earlier today. When we've watched this many movies with Nick, I actually feel like I have a little bit of a connection to him, which is weird and probably would be really weird for him. But like, it's, it's like I'm rooting for a friend in these movies. Like I want these movies to be good because I I enjoy seeing him succeed in these things because I feel kind of close to him as weird as it is we've spent a lot of time with him over the last year you know mm-hmm. through watching his movies and um you know so when when a movie comes out on like this it's you know a 3.1 on IMDb I'm I'm trying I'm hoping for the best in it um and unfortunately he was the he was the best in it which is good for him but everything else was pretty terrible so, you know, the only expectation I have going into these movies is that I'm hoping that he's going to, you know, just kill it. That's and fair. that maybe carry the movie on his shoulders. I don't think even his immense skill in acting could carry this movie because it was just really bad, um, even as good as he was. Anyway, um, yeah, he's we get a, after the scene with the two of them flirting. That's really, really bad. Um, Nick Cage notices her while he's flirting with the flight attendant coming up like an escalator mm-hmm. uh, and notices his daughter. And so he walks over and the his daughter introduces him to this journalist that she met two minutes ago. Uh, and then he the journalist excuses himself. And they sit Buck down. Williams, Buck Williams, he excuses himself. Um, and then Cassie Thompson or Cassie, Chloe Steele and Rayford Steele. Uh, sit down at the table to have a conversation where he's like, I'm sorry that I'm not going to be able to come to this thing, blah, blah, blah. I'm getting pulled out, uh, you know, to go to Europe or wherever he was going, London. London. Um, So I can't come. And, you know, she tries to believe him. Uh, I think maybe at this point she knows her dad. She wants to believe him, it seems like, but there's always that in the back of her mind, you know, he's probably lying about something. Um, yeah, well, my next no, does, this, this oops, dialogue is terrible. She does bring up how, like, she thought he, like, left, left, like, left the family, left her mother, and all that because things have been tough over the last year. So I think she was more, she's like happy he's not abandoning the family, but still doesn't really believe what he's saying. Right. Right. So it's, it's a, it's and the dialogue was real bad. That was yeah. my next notice. The dialogue is really terrible. Yeah. I, I do wonder how much of it's just lifted from the book. Yeah, and I mean, maybe that's part of it, but at that point, they probably should have had somebody look at it and go, this is because dialogue in a book is different. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't always directly translate that to a movie and have it feel right mm-hmm. or feel natural. And in this case, that may be what it was. They just lifted it directly, didn't have anybody do any like actual writing passes on it and, uh, you know, called it good. Um, so, yeah, they have their conversation and, uh, Rayford Steele walks away to go take his to, to do his job to fly. Um, and then Buck Williams just shows up again. Like, if so, my next note was, did he just creepily wait for dad to leave? Oh, yeah. He's like sitting at like the table behind her. Like at this point, right? The it's really just the fact that he's like famous and extremely attractive that is making this not creepy. 
I mean, it was still pretty creepy to me. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah but like, she's she's in love with it. She's ready to go. Well, because like everybody seemingly knows this guy. Like I'm not like I, I don't know how many investigative reporters I would just know by bumping into them somewhere. But like everybody knows this guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They all if they don't know his face, they know his name. Right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they have another conversation, and then he has to get on his flight. Which just conveniently happens to be the flight her dad is flying. Oh. On. And so right as he's getting right onto the flight, <laughs> uh, this person comes up to uh, Chloe, his daughter, oh. Nick Cage's daughter, and hands her U2 tickets that she's supposed to give to her father for a concert that's happening in London. So I was so confused by this for a while because the way he hands her the tickets is that she thinks the tickets are for her yeah right because she says something about wow he was able to actually get them but then the guy makes a comment about how it's been like two weeks or whatever but then nick ends up giving the tickets to the the flight attendant so that it's in london like i don't know who the tickets were supposed to be for i don't know i just assumed that this scene was meant to establish that he never intended to spend time with his family and that he right. always intended to go to London and go to this concert with his mistress. Yep. To be, to, they to haven't hooked mistress up yet. To be, yeah, yeah. Cause they haven't actually made it yet. Right. Um, yeah. So she says, she writes him a little note on this envelope and gives it to, uh, Buck Williams, her new beau and says, will you <laughs> give buddies. this to my dad since you're on the plane? And he's like, of course I will. So keep in mind this movie, I, I want to be very clear about this next part. It had, it, it's, this was released in 2014. Mm-hmm. Somehow, post 9/11, this dude is able to just walk up to the pilot cabin without any kind of anything stopping him, and hand him the hand the tickets to the pilot. In no world would that ever happen. I don't care uh, how good looking or famous Buck you Williams. are. Yeah, it's just a little ridiculous. He just like knocks on the cabin door, and and Nick is like, "Sure, come on in." There's no What's flight up, attendants Kevin? to stop him. Nothing, and it's like, "Come, okay, guys." I can I'm I'm willing to stretch you know my imagination for the rapture happening and stuff, but a guy walking to the pilot's cabin post 9-11, come on. I I can't even buy into that. No, there's a few things like that. Cause like, yeah, the, the suspension of disbelief here, right? Like the, the crux of the film is the rapture. So we're buying into that's a thing that happens in this universe. Yeah. But other things still have to make sense too. So right. And yeah, the, the, <laughs> there's several times in this movie where I'm like, that wouldn't happen post 9-11. Yeah. Like how how is the daughter in the same area of the person that is supposed to be getting on the flight like immediately? Well, because she never left that area. So oh, because she got back on from a flight. That's yeah, true. Yeah. So that okay. that that fair works enough. out. That's okay. That's fair enough. Um. So then we start getting introduced to all the uh, all the passengers on this plane, right? Because the whole movie really just first class. Which of all the things that happened in this movie, I thought it was very clever. That they really focus on that first class group instead of like 300 freaking people. Yeah, uh, but they make sure, I don't know if the, this isn't this note, but eventually it's revealed that they're essentially just assigning sins to everybody in this in this uh, first class area. Um, well, we, certain like, people anyway. Yeah. That's true. We get we get uh we get like a an alien conspiracy guy that's talking about super jets and like how it's Mach using 40. aliens like yeah, you can travel across the country in six minutes. 
um and that that was it has to be alien technology because nothing exists on this planet and there's several times this guy just randomly pipes up with something about an alien conspiracy it doesn't do anything for the plot at all except establish that this guy doesn't believe in god he is bizarre though like later he's like we 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 obviously went into an alternate dimension where these people never (laughs) existed i'm like dude we branched (laughs) into the multiverse like (laughs) come on um so yeah, then we get another Christian versus non-Christian argument with uh uh Chloe and Irene Steele, Lance Thompson. Right, because she goes um, home. She goes home, yeah, after the the thing with her dad. So that's that's number two argument for that. Um, which it's not that meaningful of a scene. Um it they you know, Leia Thompson is a wonderful and talented actress, and they gave her like four scenes in this movie and it i was really disappointed i wanted more to see more of her character i don't know why she's in this yeah she doesn't even need to be in the movie really but because they got someone that i think is a wonderful actress i wish they would have given her something to work with right they didn't really agreed yeah Yeah, so there's my establishing sinners on plane uh thing because they there's this little girl in first class with her mom and she talks about how her daddy plays football on TV and that he hurt his arm. And she's talking to this other passenger um, that's kind of a uh, he, he's a little person and he has like the biggest chip on his shoulder about it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Martin Kleba. Yes. Uh, and people it, may know. He, yeah, he's great in other movies. Uh, I, I did not like his character in this movie. I mean, you're not intended to like him. I just more mean that like he all he did was argue and create problems for people with no real character development other than he's just angry and makes jokes about himself being short like yeah, that are intended I mean, to guilt trip the people around him he is used in a couple of instances to draw out character points from others right because one of the things this movie is not particularly good at is giving any depth to any of these people any yeah. of them um it's just establishing them as sinners and people that don't wouldn't believe in right god essentially you know and so he's really just used to get at people enough for that person to reveal a thing about them is right but but even but the scenes when he's not doing that he's just making comments intended to make other people feel guilty yeah a lot of about about his uh you know lot in life Mm mm-hmm which I thought was uh, it was mostly just annoying to me. Like, you know, I wouldn't know what it's like to have so, a condition like that. But uh, you know, he seems for his age to really still be struggling very much with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, it, that was hard to believe at that point. You know, yeah. if you've lived your whole life with something like that, then usually at a certain point you've accepted that and found ways to just, you know, work with it. And he seems like he's just constantly angry about it. Um, so yeah, that he, anyway, to go back to that, this little girl is telling this information to him and he writes down the name of this football player that he thinks it is uh, so that he can make a bet on it mm-hmm. later. So, you know, gambling is one of the sins or is a sin, I think in a lot of, um, yeah, belief system. So that was just establishing that. And there's several other people. You know, there's one person that uses drugs, and there's you know some stuff like that going on. So they they just go there's through the big kind of Texas uh, businessman archetype. The um, 
yeah, he's not actually Texan, Texan, I don't think, but that type of character. You know, yeah, there's a character that I think was intended to be Muslim that everybody he, thinks is a terrorist. He's clearly meant to be like the Middle Eastern person in the room. Yes. Right. They never straight up say that he's Muslim, but it's it's implied. It, this movie walks up to a lot of statements and then turns and goes a different way and just never makes the statement. And this yeah. his character is an example of that where they're clearly saying like this is. This is not a white Christian person. We're not going to tell you what this person actually is, though. You can kind of guess. And then they move on. Right. And then the, the character that we were just talking about at one point, like, is is acting like this guy's a terror at several points. Yeah. Act like just this guy is a Middle Eastern person, so he must be a terrorist. Right. So it's kind of just adds to that shallowness of that whole character. There um, is the older couple that kind of did like the way it's handled did bother me um because so it's this older couple the woman has dementia or alzheimer's some type of of situation like that where she gets confused and she's not sure about what's what's going on around her and her husband is there with her and i'm not sure what sin it is that she's committing you know other than yeah that, like other than not being mentally sound, which seems like a cruel way Problematic. For, like for that to be handled. Yeah. Um, so that that bothered me. Yeah, there are certain characters where it's kind of ambiguous as to whatever sin or what, how, however they're established that this is not a Christian person and they're not handled. But most of the characters in first class, they try and make very clear but they're, they're one like, way or the other. She's the one person who like doesn't have control of her mental faculties. And I feel right. like that's, I agree with you. I'm not arguing. Yeah. yeah. That, that one bothered me. I will say. So it, we, after this, we get our first, and this one, maybe we'll, we'll have to debate this on our bingo card later when we record our video, but then we get a green screen flying. Ah, uh, yeah. I thought about that. Poor, poor green screen of flying. <laughs> our bingo card specifically says green screen driving. So I don't know. But yeah, it's a pretty badly green screen flying. And there's several of those scenes after this, but this is the first one we really get to see. Were the wheels on the ground at any point during that time? Because then <laughs> I mean they were later on at some point. Um then the, then we go to the like a mall, uh, yeah. where the daughter is with her brother. Her little brother, yeah. Yeah, which is Nick Cage's son. Uh not in real life, his character. Not in real life, yeah, his character. Um and so they're just wandering around the mall and we get this dance party, this break dance party with no licensed music. This movie did not spend any money on licensing for music. I mean, they went with like they went through the catalog of the cheapest songs that you can get and they just got all those. And in this case, it's just like I think it was just like a bunch of people making sounds with their mouths or something. Um, it's like, yeah, it was just really weird to watch a bunch of break dancers dancing to like acapella music or something like that it was just, open source music yeah, yeah exactly like you know they have like a single like acoustic guitar and a guy just like banging on buckets and that's what the music was essentially I'll tell you, all the money went to the airplane stuff in this movie. i i i have to believe that yeah, yeah. um i at this point i put a note that said love interest 10 years younger uh-huh uh, or more which i put that in there because it's a reference to our bingo card yep um then the yeah, thing she, she's a lot younger because she's only a few years older than I am. Right. 
Like she and was born. She was born in the eighties. We brought that up in the inconceivable <laughs> review too. That she was because wasn't she? She was Nick Cage's love interest yeah. in that too, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And that was only three years after this, twenty seventeen, right. I think. Yeah. Um, and then the Thanos snap happens, uh, and it's a little. I think we get the first shot of it in the mall with the yeah. daughter. Um, her she's brother, hugging her brother at the time. Yeah, and then it happens the way it's handled. Okay, so like Infinity War, you know, or Marvel movies, it the people like turn to dust, right, and blow off into the wind. In this movie, they just straight up disappear and leave their clothes there. So to be fair, clothes. that that is one of the primary interpretations of how it theoretically would happen according to like religious belief. So okay. like it, I mean it's all the- you know. like you just said yeah, theoretical. Yeah. Well, it's a like, movie so they could have made it look like anything. I know, but I think they they were of all of the things in here, right? Like if you're going to portray it, I think they were trying to be traditional. I think they were portrayal. trying to save money. Because it's very cheap to just have piles of clothes everywhere. I know, but like it's it's described that way most of the time. I really think they were it's trying described to described that they leave t-shirts and jeans when they get raptured not up. Not literally to t-shirts and jeans, but okay. the, the the way it's described is that it's just the body that vanishes leaving behind everything else. You can only walk into heaven if you're naked. Well, you're not supposed to be able to bring, like you, you can't bring it with you mentality, right? Like there's a reason That's from that's, that's from Christianity and the Bible? It's not from Christianity, but the belief system cuz is that you can't take any of it with you, right? I mean even like Jewish people believe that too, like that Right, the, but this isn't Jewish. I mean, this is No, but Christianity is a step like the the first testament is the Jewish part of the Bible. Right, but we're talking right? about revelations. So, right, which comes which after not, that. So yeah. but the belief system is that you die, your everything stays, your physical okay. stuff stays here. You're not taking Well, your I'm just going to take your word for it because right. I I guess I just thought they were trying to save money because that's a, re- a really weird way to handle it. I think that's um, just a coincidence. It happened to be so. convenient, but I do I'd think they were trying to be It's the least interesting way to handle that from a visual perspective and since a movie is a visual medium, it was not exciting at all it was literally just watching a bunch of like clothes collapse onto the floor yeah um i think they were just trying they were trying to take a grounded approach to something that you know is theory or they were just trying to save money because they have to crash planes later (laughs) um so when then we go back to the uh the plane where the same thing has happened and everybody starts realizing that people are just missing and for some reason, they just start rushing the cockpit. Like a huge crowd of people just like starts going crazy at the cockpit. My next note was, why are they rushing the cockpit? What is the captain going to do? Like, do they think he was in charge of the whole thing and like made all their people disappear? I, I, I'm i unclear, but you know, panic's a panic, right? Like that's right. What, right they want definition. somebody to blame. He is the person there with like authority, right? Well, and he's the only one who can contact theoretically can contact anybody else. Um, and like you know, children are missing, spouses are missing. Like it's it if this actually happened, let's pretend for a moment that it actually occurred, right? It'd be pretty horrifying for the people who sure. were le- who were Absolutely. left behind, right? So, you know, these people are snapping, nobody knows what's going on, they're not getting any answers. Time does kind of pass here a little bit before they start going kind of crazy. Um, well, yeah, there's this time when they're trying to figure out what what happened, where these people went. And I think they just, it literally was a panic. And when you have a panic, people do dangerous things. Yeah, I just think in 2014, we had Internet on planes. So like 
I feel like they would have, you know. I mean, this is this is a made surely up. Surely there's somebody with a know, laptop but... or a phone that can connect to Wi-Fi still. It's not like everything just disappears when the people disappear. Yeah, I mean that that they don't really talk about that. They talk about satellite phones a lot. And none right. of them work, which was a, pr- a problem that I had, because while, yes, at some point a human has to be involved in maintaining those programs, 10 They minutes, would stay running for yeah, a little while. Like, yeah. yeah, they'd be running for a little bit, you know, uh, so that maybe that's Maybe me. that's something we're missing. Maybe this movie, it, it doesn't explicitly say it, but it takes place in like 2007 or something. So the internet on planes is not available. Well, the book is why... older, right? And so I think... It is harder to adapt that to a modern era where like, especially if you were to do that now when everybody has a smartphone and every yeah. plane has Wi-Fi, like, cause this is a made up airline at a time where not every plane had Wi-Fi yet. And it cost extra all yeah, the but, time. But like this couldn't have taken place before nine 11. So that no. would set, we couldn't validate our theory with that, but uh, cause the cars that they show are too new for that. And there's an air but, marshal on board and that was yeah, that too. Uh, so yeah, um, it's a weird like they don't explicitly say the year, but maybe it's implied that it's like 2004 or something. But there's no, still cars th- newer than that, I think. I so. think it's supposed to be present day. I think it's just that they if I'm assuming if the satellite phones aren't working, Wi-Fi is not working. I guess, yeah. It's just it's just a weird you know, but... thing. It's not really how Rapture works, I would imagine. Maybe they mentioned that in Revelations too and you just haven't mentioned it to me, but uh, I don't think that Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi goes down. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember <laughs> that part. I think that part of the problem is that the book is a lot older. And so they're trying to adapt this yeah. book. And I, I I think they probably weren't sure what to do with that. And so they just ignored it. Probably, which just causes more problems. But, yeah, um, you know, maybe it's fine for some people. Um, so then we go back to the mall and she has run out of the mall at this point and is looking at her every ambulance she sees. She's like trying to find her brother um she's freaking out trying to find her brother she goes to get into her father's sob that i mentioned earlier um because he let her take it and she found the wedding ring that had been taken off when she was in there we didn't mention that but um so when she's trying to get into the car i was actually impressed at this part because they legitimately did this stunt uh they literally had what looked to be an actual practical plane crash into the car and explode now later there's some cgi flames that look really bad well, and but, the actual when the plane's in the air, it looks really bad. Yeah, but the actual like, but, impact, yes, looked real, which I was impressed with because that's not a cheap, uh, cheap well, piece to pull that's off. That's what I'm saying, man. All the money went to the airplanes. Yeah, I think the airplanes and the practice, some of the the practical effects are pretty good. Uh, you know, like we'll get into some of the other stuff later, but there's some other big crashes. Um, you know, cars and things doing things that yeah would be dangerous and expensive. So. Mm-hmm um so let's see yeah so then we go back to the plane and we get buck williams interviewing this grieving mother that just lost her two daughters in Mm -hmm. uh the economy section asking her how she's feeling and what happened and it's like man have some tact yeah he's trying to document the moment uh yeah by interviewing grieving mothers that are freaking out because their children disappeared and i i any respect I had for him, which was pretty minimal at that point, was gone because that's a just a terrible thing to do. There's no good reason to do that interview. You're not recording history. You're just ruining somebody's life who will now be in the history books forever. 
You know what I mean? Like that particular conversation. Like that, if that would end up in a documentary, right? right, Exactly. After the fact, multiple documentaries. It would be used in every documentary about the thing, and And he would get an award for it. Sure, but I mean, all he's doing is messing up. Every time she saw that play, she would just be brought back to that moment. That's his his job is to document those types of things. Like early on, when we find out, like he's been like he was just where there was a tsunami, you know, and things like he's documenting these things happening that's part of his job and it's it's horrible stuff that he's documenting but that those are the ways we get that type of proof to show other people in the world that these things happened i I just think that maybe there were other people on the plane that could have given similar information that maybe hadn't just lost a child uh or two children uh that you know, maybe would have been a little more tactful rather than asking a mother that just lost her two kids how she feels. Uh, maybe nobody knew what was happening either. So like everyone's like just confused. I don't know. I Well, this lady is crying. Yes. No, she's clearly upset. So she knows yeah. that her kids are gone. Um, my next note is short bus crash. Oh, yeah. Because so the daughter is after the car gets wrecked by the plane. Uh, the daughter runs and she's just like running and running somewhere i think trying to get home well she's on her and, way to a hospital oh that's what it is yeah because she wanted yeah. to find out if her brother was at the hospital and she runs like under a bridge for some reason and this bus like crashes over the edge of the bridge the short bus mm-hmm. and they i don't think there was anybody on it I, so i guess with rapture it's all children and believers yeah and there's some logistical questions there about when do you stop being considered a child in this context um Um, whatever god considers that to be like 14 you're done i mean i don't know right so are there a bunch of like 17 year olds running around somewhere maybe her her brother was like 10 maybe yeah he was young um Um, so yeah i mean i I think they did that on purpose right like all the children we see disappear are clearly young enough where that's not a question right but it does make me wonder like middle schoolers high schoolers like because you know, in the Jewish faith, 13 is when you're, quote, an adult as far as the religion is concerned. Right. right. You have your bar mitzvah, your bat mitzvah, whatever. Right. This is obviously not Judaism, but like, what is that number? Is that number 18? Well, there is an age, at least at the church I attended, where you would get, I can't remember the name for it, but where you would join the church on your own. Mm hmm confirmed that's what okay, it was right, it's confirmation yeah. and i think i was around 12 when i had to go through that so that's, and that's pretty young yeah right? and you know that's when you're considered old enough to make the decision to join the church for yourself mm-hmm. that now i don't know if that's a universal thing i, I right, that may have yeah. just been at the church i was at i'm not sure but uh so yeah i mean i don't know i think you're probably pretty close to you know with 13 it's probably probably 12 or 13 somewhere in there that's still pretty young Right. So that means there's a bunch of 14, 15 year olds. Yeah. Still with potentially around. no parents or, you yeah, know, like, yeah. yeah. Um, but so they yeah, really I, harp on the baby thing. Like there's strollers and stuff everywhere. That everywhere. Are empty. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Casual racism is my next note because that's when the uh, one of the uh, Martin Klebo's character just kind of like wanders over and was like looking for st- a bomb or something. I don't know what he was looking for, but it was applied. He was, trying to figure out if this guy was a terrorist and that he was responsible for all these, you know, people being disappeared on the plane. So mm-hmm. casual racism. I, I don't think I had that on my bingo card, but um, on this one, but you know, I think that qualifies if you had it on yours. Um, 
then we have this weird scene where there's we're on the plane and Nick's co-pilot has disappeared. He was he vanished in this whole thing. And so uh then there's another plane coming straight at his plane. Yes. But like the sky is really big. Well, so there are very specific flight paths that flights take. And since he's going to London, there's really like very few. Well, at this flight point paths. he had turned around. Right. And so like that's like there's like that other plane was in the same flight path that he was in just sure but he is not he is not in a autopilot state at this point no like he i think he waited way too long to move out of the flight path it's like he was trying to build like tension in the scene as a character in the movie which is weird when nobody's responding he need like he should have started moving immediately in my opinion given the circumstances but yeah he waits forever yeah and he his wing clips the the tail of the other plane i believe it was and they that plane he nobody's responding on the other plane so clearly the pilots both are gone and well they do give us a shot of the cockpit and it's empty yeah so and so it's it's a presume that all the passengers are going to die and they died at this point over the ocean i mean we watch Um, it kind of go down yeah and uh, including all the people on the plane watch it and uh you know with that hit now nick cage's plane is losing fuel Mm-hmm. Um and has damage to the spoilers or something. I can't remember what he said. A lot of, there's something used to slow down the plane when he lands. Is... Spoilers were damaged. Those are the flaps that come up on the wing during landing. Uh, but there was also damages to he called it the elevators. I don't know if that's an official term for it or not, but basically he can't pull up. He can't pull the nose of the plane up, which is two problems. One, you can't just go any higher if you needed to, but also you can't pull the nose of the plane up when you're landing, which is a thing that you need to do when you're landing in water, which you might have to do if there's no airports or fuel. Right. So, um, so then I, I, my next note is alien conspiracy guy returns. Jesus. I don't remember what it, and this might've been when he suggested that it was like a multiverse thing or something like that. Um, and then we go back to the land and his daughter, where she is just wandering through a hospital, seemingly with no one else in it. Well, she broke into like a side window to get into this hospital, which is a very awkward scene to watch. Now, like yeah. I've never broken a window to break into a place or anything. I got to imagine there's a better way to do it than the way she did it. But it looked uncomfortable. It looked painful and awkward. And but she yeah, goes the, to like the children's wing the where, infant, all, the yeah, where all the children are gone they're really hammering that hard like you mentioned um but yeah there's when she's walking through all this there's no one no she comes across one person who's clearly like a new mother who yes, lost that's... her child children yeah. right um uh, that's that's a horrible sad scene her entire yeah. character is there just to confirm for the audience that all the children are gone yes uh it, yeah it, it was not fun but that's the only other person there's no workers there's no nothing in this hospital. It's just this one patient that probably just gave birth. It must be a maternity wing. And once everybody vanished and there were so many other injuries and stuff, they must have closed it down and moved everybody over. But that maybe seems it just convenient. seems. Yeah, it just seems weird. You would think that you would have somebody like yeah. looking for people or whatever. You still have no idea what's going on. Um. Okay, so 
when that when we go we go back to the plane at this point but just to rewind a little bit when he hits that other plane mm-hmm. uh rayford Steele has buck williams the journalist guy go back he says go back and look at the wing and see if we're uh, take pictures of the wing yeah. take pictures of the wing and see if we're losing fuel and so he does and there's like the fuel catches fire mm-hmm. and so he goes up to uh report this to the captain um well so at this point he gets up to the cockpit and they can see the fire from the cockpit he like looks out the side and sees the fire happening so at this point i'm wondering why did he send him back to go look at it he wanted to see it all he wanted pictures from his camera so he could get a better look at the damage to see what pieces were right but you off. can see it all from the cockpit and his well, camera has a huge lens on it so in theory it could take a picture from 20 feet away it's not that close it's farther than i think you okay. think it is but it's a telephoto lens is all i'm saying he, 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 he didn't have that big of a lens on it I, I don't think i don't think that's a big hang up that they asked him to go take some photos of the wing uh, my next note is heavy-handed religious symbolism. I don't. The whole movie is that. Although, yeah, I don't know what you. Not really clever like symbolism, at I'm all. Not sure. I don't even remember what specific uh, thing that was to. Uh, was I try and usually give myself a little something to remind me when it's that generic of a note, but in this case, I didn't. So Sorry, I have no yeah, idea. I don't know. Um. So yeah, th- I, my next note was so children and Christians are gone, mm-hmm. and then she, uh, the daughter goes to a church well she goes home first she goes home first her mom's gone right is that where you saw the religious stuff because her mom's got like an altar and some other things that are an altar yeah and her necklace was like uh the christian fish with like a cross in it yeah so like it's referenced earlier that this is a necklace that uh nick gave her and she never takes it off and then we find it's just it's laying on the floor in the shower while the water is running right now so she's gone um, so yeah, then she goes to a church, and there's a pastor in the church. It's, a, it's raises, her mom's church, specifically. Yes, it raises some questions as it to why does. this pastor is here. Yes. Um, but yeah, then it's revealed that he just did it for the money, essentially, and didn't really believe in any of it. It was just what he was good at, and uh, convincing people to believe, and he himself didn't believe. So he was not a part of the rapture. Uh, so then... We go back to the plane and the mom of the the little daughter that I mentioned that was talking about her football player dad. Mm -hmm. Her mom was freaking out on the plane and had gotten a hold of the gun from the marshal that had disappeared. I am glad that that comes up because they keep cutting back yeah to the showing the gun and, yeah. and like there's like i'm like where like who's got it like are they gonna ever address the fact that the marshal's the armed person on the plane right yeah so uh, then she has the gun and she's like threatening people asking where her daughter is and that she knows that it was them i can't remember which pers- person is in in specificity was who she was she was pointing it at but she was pointing it at like one person do you remember who it was was it the Buck Williams guy? No, I think she starts by pointing it actually at uh, at Martin Kleba's character, Melvin, at first. Because she so what she thinks is she thinks her husband orchestrated oh, all yeah, of yeah, this to take her daughter away. 
right supposedly he thinks she's crazy we don't really know exactly what that means because this is all coming from her and she's very distraught but she thinks her husband's trying to take her daughter away and he has paid off 300 people to orchestrate this way of stealing her daughter she was asleep and she thought it happened while she was asleep Mm -hmm. and so yeah she's like threatening to kill all these people and then when she because like Buck is like no, point it at me. Point point the gun at me. He, he she he keeps trying to get her to point it at him. For yeah, because of reason. course he's the hero. He's the but, hero. Uh, it's him and Nick against um, the world. She realizes at some point that this is not a joke. This is not something that was. And then, so she points the gun at herself, right? And is like preparing to shoot herself in the heart, which is a really depressing scene. Also, yes, um, she doesn't. Um, you know, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't remember what exactly was said at this point to make me write this note. But my next note is the flight attendant is real judgy for someone who wanted to fuck a married pilot for you two tickets. Cause she, she went to some other character and was being like super judgmental about something. And it wasn't Nick Cage's character. I don't one, know. It was one of the passengers that she was like, saying stuff to him being super judgy and i'm like this person has no room to be judging other people in any capacity well so but here's the problem though we learned that she didn't know that nick was married so she just thinks she's flirting with this cool pilot guy and they're gonna go have some fun in london we actually don't learn at all what she her sin is other than i mean maybe she's just the not adultery but is it is that if you don't know you're, you're doing still it? guilty of adultery even if you don't know you're doing it yeah it's still a, it an act that you're doing i mean uh, i don't know messed up i don't know I, I mean you can still break rules even knowing that there's no rule on it you know what i mean it, it right. doesn't mean that you haven't broken the law you know if you do something that's illegal sure sure but like you know your sentences change depending on sure. you, you know but what apparently you there's a very there's probation things like that right this is a very all there's or nothing no probation situation. with rapture right so, okay. so, so this guy lied to you so now you're you're doomed to hell forever yeah because you believe the lie okay so it's, yeah it's harsh it is uh then we get this like really long bridge scene so apparently the oh. uh the yeah. daughter after she leaves the church she's like running along the bridge and the golden gate bridge i think it was it's not the golden gate or i don't fucking know it's some big bridge <laughs> so that's in san francisco she's in new okay, york whatever it's a big bridge in new york whatever it was pro- like, it, like it's probably the washington i failed bridge. geography as a child okay the new york so... bridges all look the same it was probably the washington bridge yeah so she's on this bridge it was big and it was gold okay give me a break but she she climbs up this ladder to go up to the top of the bridge, and it's just a really long scene of her like looking up the ladder and then climbing the ladder and then hanging out at the top. Well, it's supposed to build the emotion that like she's gonna commit suicide. Yeah, I know, but it's just yeah. a really long scene. I don't think it needed to be that long. But uh, I think at this point she finally gets reception on her phone with from her dad, probably because she's so high in the air. But on they the finally Gate get bridge. reception. Because well, they've, got, yeah. Oh, they've yeah. got satellite phones that aren't working for some reason. Uh, but yeah, she's so high on the Golden Gate Bridge that she finally can now pick up a phone call from her dad. Mm-hmm. And so they talk for like two seconds before they're cut off again because reasons. Um. So yeah, then we... I My next note is Nick is killing it. Oh, I because th- I think with the conversation with his daughter... Was good. Which... It was really good. Uh, 
but also Buck Williams is just hanging out there for the conversation. He's listening to this like super private, super well, emotional it was his, conversation. It was actually his phone. Sure, but like, but take a step away yeah. if you know this guy's potentially talking to his daughter for the last time. Buck's the co-star. He's got to stay in the shot. So yeah, he he just like <laughs> hangs out while Nick, Nick is crying and emotional over what's going on because he found out his wife is gone, and you and know, his son. And his son, right? You but know, his daughter's still there. It's a rough scene. Yes, and so, but he kills it. He did a great job with it. Um, so then, this is like right before he knows that. Okay, so at this point, he's contacted someone in traffic, air traffic control, or whatever, and they've said that he can't land at the airport because uh, all the runways are packed Pats. out. There's yeah. birds everywhere. You know, it's dangerous. Right. Um, you know, we all know birds are really dangerous when it comes to planes. We've seen enough of that in movies. He he meant planes. No, no, no. He said birds. Um, so <sighs> yeah, so he knows he can't land there. So he's talking about how, well, maybe I'm gonna have to land on the water, even though earlier he said he couldn't land on the water. He thinks it might be possible at this point, but he still would rather not land on the water. He'd rather find a place that he could land on land where he wouldn't be killing a million people. Well, that's the, I think his choices are that he either has to land on the water and they all die or he'd have to like crash a bunch of buildings and kill other innocent people. Right. right? And so, so when he's talking to his daughter, he's able to, before the phone call ends, let her know that, you know, this is getting bad. I need a place with like a mile of, you know of runway essentially like a mile of road and so just so happens she knows where that is and so she goes to this construction to be fair they do show it earlier in the movie they do to their credit um they so she goes to this road and like is plowing stuff out of the way with this car she stole or this truck she stole um you're you're forgetting she stole a motorcycle before she she stole the truck this like she's she could take care of herself. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. She there's like she she stops a motorcycle in this place with like seven or eight trucks, and like all of them are like brand new, nice trucks, except for this one old beater ass truck. Uh-huh. And that's the one that she gets to start. Well, I mean, to be one... fair, she only tries one other truck before that. Yeah. But yeah, that's the one she gets to start. So she takes that out and she's starting to like clear all this construction stuff off of the road and push stuff out of the way. And then they get a hold of her again. And she said, she says, I've got a place for you. And they said, okay, well, we need a big sign. So like some big light, some bright light to show me where we're going. Mm-hmm. And so she finds a like can of gasoline and she pours it on this big pile of stuff and blows it up. Yeah, baby. To show them where to land. I mean, she really shows up at the end of this movie. Yeah. Right? I mean, she's yeah, the she hero. Sa- she real. saves like 200 people. Yeah, so they she there's they're also trying to raise tension by saying that he told her he needs a mile, and she measures it out while she's like clearing all the roadway of construction stuff, and she only says she says it's point nine, and he says that's fine, sweetie, and then he leans over to Buck and says that's not enough. We're gonna die. I'm just trying to make her feel better. <laughs> I don't want her to feel like she she screwed up, and so it does. It, it turns out it is enough, just barely, man. By it like is a enough. Foot. Yeah, and so they land the plane, and nobody on on the plane dies. Um, and the daughter runs and hugs Buck, like huge hug. As she's you running, know? there's an explosion that doesn't impact anything other than the fact that 
there, you can see her run past an explosion. Right. And yeah. And, and she, before she even hugs her dad, she hugs Buck like a really big hug for like you would like, like I would hug you if I haven't seen you in Aww. in years and you were about to die and then you were alive. <laughs> and then I was alive. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, but they knew each other for like 10 minutes and then they, it was so emotional. And then she goes and finds her dad and hugs him. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the end of the movie, but well, oh no, no, no. So I, at the end, uh, you know, <laughs> I believe I believe it's Nick says so this is the end of the world and then she goes no this is only the beginning right trying to set up a whole series that's the end of the movie so basically what I want to end you know this movie discussion with is to just say that we thought we were watching a movie about the rapture and like the impact on it and everything, but what we were really watching is a movie about Nick Cage landing a plane. Basically. And the rapture is just like a secondary thing that happens. It just kind of happens. And yeah. it's not really necessary to the plot. It's just Nick Cage landing a plane. That That's the big takeaway. Yeah. I mean, you could basically rewrite this movie. There's a, this is airplane. This is the movie airplane with none of the jokes. Right. Exactly. It, it, the rapture is a totally secondary thing to just him landing the plane. That's the whole movie. Right. Like that's just right. The, the plane is damaged at one point. You could have done that another way. The sure. co-pilot is out of commission. You could have yeah. done that another way. Had him get sick or something. Right. Like there's not like this. It is an airplane crash movie. Yeah, so like you don't even have to have the passengers disappear. Like right. the pa- the people in the plane, that doesn't that just adds that's just a method of adding drama to the things that are happening into the plane. Other mm-hmm. it doesn't really affect the overall plot at all. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. It, it was that was very weird in that aspect. I thought it was going to focus more on the rapture, but no, it's really just about Nick Cage landing a plane. It's odd, right? It's like there's two separate movies happening that are very loosely connected to each other um i mean there's some cool moments in here like when when the passengers are all going crazy and nick basically cuts the oxygen and makes everyone go into oxygen masks that was kind of a badass move i gotta say i was like that's hardcore if it had happened in real life i don't know if it would be considered a badass move to play with people's health like that i mean like they were gonna break down the door into the cockpit and then they're all dead anyway i mean they wouldn't kill the pilot they wouldn't kill the pilot necessarily, but like none of them know how to fly one of those planes. That's what I'm saying. That's why they wouldn't kill the pilot. No, you don't think they were going to barge in there and then like they're all like going crazy and the planes just slowly taking a dive down into the ocean. No, I think that they are smart. People are smart, Derek. A person. Sure. What, what's the, what's the line? A person is smart. People are dumb. Uh, what's what's the line? I don't remember. Day? Yeah, it's something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Th- these. I were know the what people. you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. We did skip over the revelation, though, when Hattie finds out that uh, Steele is married. So he makes her gather. There was another flight attendant who who vanished. Apparently, they only had two flight attendants for this giant plane uh, that was going across the Atlantic Ocean. But whatever. Um, Go figure. And he has her get her things. This this woman's things. And he's going through the co-pilot's things. And he's looking for signs that these people are religious. Because he's trying to figure out what happened. And he thinks he's figured it out. And so he fi- he sees that uh, the co-pilot's watch has John 316 on it. Uh, and then uh, he gets this other woman's pur- this flight attendant's purse. He's looking through this notebook. And there's something in there about uh, 
a church group meeting like a bible camp or something like that yeah yeah, exactly bible study i think yeah and that's when he explains to hattie what he thinks is happening that it's the rapture or whatever and she's very confused she's like you've never talked about religion or god before like where is this coming from and he's like it's from my wife and that's where you find out she didn't know yeah which is not really that big of a revelation I mean, you know, it is and it isn't, right? Because like this whole time... It's supposed to be, but it's not really like... There's there's no like uh, collective audience gasp or anything like that at this moment. It's just like, okay, I guess she knows now. Well, it changed some things for me because in that moment, I was like, well, then, you know, so she didn't do anything wrong. I mean, she committed adultery. Well, you know what I mean? You know, maybe it's a personal thing, right? But like, if that were to happen, you know, to me, if yeah, you know, I was cheated on, but the person didn't tell the the third person, I'm not like I can't blame that third person for doing something they didn't know. But you aren't God. No, I'm not. I guess I'm nicer. <laughs> we're not going to get into that. Uh, nicer than the God in this film. I'll in say. this film, yeah, uh, like you know, not the I, general. But like, then there's guy. like the the older woman, right? This is a woman who has lost her mental faculties and now her husband vanishes and she's older she's clearly an older woman right her older husband who's there taking care of her in some respect he vanishes in the rapture she's left there with all this stuff going on guns being pulled people being called terrorists mass you know the the oxygen masks coming down all of this stuff and she's there like doing nothing it just felt it just feels so messed up to me but um, this also raises a bunch of questions about you know so there's a lot of monotheistic religions out there that believe in a god very similar to the christian god sure but did those people go because otherwise like the united states is going to lose a shit ton of people but then other countries are not going to lose that many it's it's a complicated thing right because the idea would be you're supposed to it's supposed to be people who believe in the rapture not those who believe in the Judeo-Christian God or even the Abrahamic God, right? So, so Jew, then have, Jewish people and Muslim people would theoretically then not. But every religion has something similar to rapture. Like, you know, you know, Nordic religions have Ragnarok. Um, you know, there's things but like that in a this. lot of this different is a, religions. This is a very specific one because it's supposed to lead to seven years of darkness and all of these other sure, things. Sure, right? but so because they didn't believe in the exact thing, but they believed in something similar, they're automatically left out. I mean, that's what a lot of religions believe about even just normal, like the, the sects of Christianity argue with each other all of the time about who gets to go to heaven versus hell. And they're just pieces of the same basic religion they're all supposed to be friends right like and that's just not the case i mean you know like i said i'm I'm jewish jewish people argue about it all the time there's actually a joke that if you have you know 10 jewish people in a room and you ask what judaism is you'll get 11 answers you know so like that's just in my personal experience how the major religions function and when i say major i mean the ones that have the largest pop following base right you know well i mean i guess we'll never get a follow-up to this so we'll never know you know how the uh how this universe handles that yeah this one didn't get a sequel you know but kirk cameron's 2000 movie got two sequels so you know um there was one call uh that came out actually this year um that uh oh what's his name mcdonough is in that's called Left Behind Rise of the Antichrist, but I'm unclear if it's a sequel 
to this or not? We're just gonna say no. Because it, it takes place like during the rat like like during the fall, like after the rapture. And so I'm not sure if it's supposed to be a continuation of this story or not. We should so. rate, rate this movie and you know put it on the board. All right. Of the by the way, of the 16 million, three and a half was for Nick. He deserved by, it. By the way. He probably deserved more of that. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, so we rate our movies overall quality and then overall caginess zero to 20, zero low, 20 high. Um, and I think I kicked things off last time. Maybe. It doesn't matter. Doesn't really I can go matter. first if you want. All right. Um, what's, what's your quality score here? I mean, some of the practical effects were pretty decent, uh, but overall, the movie was pretty terrible. I'm thinking like a five. Five. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that's fair. You know, that kind of puts it puts it below next. I prefer next. I agree. Um, it puts it for you. That puts it right above inconceivable, which uh, I had inconceivable a little bit higher. I didn't I'm like actually, inconceivable. So I preferred inconceivable to this for a lot of, of various reasons. Um, so I, you gave you gave two eleven a five. I think I'm going to give this a four. Okay. I'm going to give it a four. I think that's my my thing there. Then we've got caginess. I mean, I can't even think of a moment. There wasn't. He played it very straight. So, like, I mean, we gave Joe a one. Is this just a one? Yeah, I'm going to say it's a one. Okay. All right. So one for caginess, four and a half for quality, um, which puts it kind of in an interesting spot there. And then we got to figure out what movie is going to join the wheel o cage so we you know spin our wheel to find out what movie's next what will be replacing left behind is season of the witch we'll be joining Sweet. the wheel so to find out which nicholas cage movie we're going to be talking about next on the show check out our wheel o cage segment that comes out on alternating mondays at comingofcage.com you can uh, catch it on all of our social media apps or our youtube channel you can also play KJO Bingo with us if you want. Um, you got we have a segment for that as well to find out if our our KJO Bingo, if anybody got a bingo, hasn't happened yet, but it's only a matter of time. So eventually, eventually, it's going to happen. Uh, anything else, Ryan, for Left Behind? No, I'm glad I don't have to watch it again. Fantastic. All right. Well, and that's it for us. The Coming of Cage podcast, comingofcage.com. We will catch you next time. I'm Derek. That's Ryan. Peace out. See ya.